Man, I'm good to see y'all today. Y'all keep growing the longer we're here. That's awesome. Uh, keep getting more and more people. That, that last song, just this morning in uh, my quiet time, uh, I read a verse that that, uh, that song goes well uh, with. It goes with a lot of scriptures, but uh, we kind of uh, forget sometimes that this, is, this has nothing to do with today's sermon, by the way, okay? This is, a, this is an extra sermon, and I don't charge any more for that, all right? So um, thank you for laughing. At least one person got it. Amen. Um, but that, that when Christ died, he overcame the powers of darkness. He overcame uh, all those beings out there that are against us, that are listed in Ephesians 6, later in the same book. But in Ephesians 1, he talks about the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of the great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You are in a special place. Jesus died to redeem his church. And that's who we are. We're not the only ones. There's others in the same body around the world. And we're all part of that body that we might show God's power and dominion in this world and to the evil powers that are. Yeah, it's time if you're, uh, you have a child and, and they want to go to church for kids, uh, this is the time to go. You can be opening your Bible to Genesis 29. And we're going to start in verse 31. Um, <clears throat> we, uh, uh, when last we met, uh, we left Leah in a bad spot. and She's still there. And so we're going to we're going to try to get uh, Leah rescued. And, and it is Thanksgiving. I don't know um, how much you are thankful. I think uh, selfishness is part of our fallen condition, our fallen human condition. Uh, only Christ was completely selfless, and, and we know that. And in fact, it's very hard for a Christian uh, even to, uh, to not slide into um, not being thankful. The Bible commands us uh, over in... Uh, Thessalonians to be thankful in all things, not just in some things. Uh, it says, pray without ceasing in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So God calls us to be thankful for everything. And we're going to see uh, that Leah comes to that point today. So we, we called this uh, text today, uh, gratitude admits sorrow. I, I thought I might have to leave Genesis to do Thanksgiving, but God in his um, way, he does things. He brought us to a place where I could keep staying uh, in Genesis to say this. Now, when we come back, when I won't be here next week. You're going to have, have actually a good preacher next week, okay? Um, and uh, that, that is Brother Milton Harding. He's going to be with us. And uh, I'm, I, we're going over the hill and through the woods to Grandma's house. So uh, that's where we're headed, and we won't be back till Sunday. So um, uh, anyway, so he'll be here. So I hope you'll be here. But when I come back, we're going to... We're going to start looking at uh, sermons about the coming of Christ the first time. And uh, hopefully we'll be reminded that he is fixing to come again. Right? He's coming back. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, I'm glad you believe that. And uh, the Bible says we ought to live like that. So Genesis 29. I want to read these verses for the very few. Um, and, and I know you just sat down. But if you don't mind just standing up. We don't do it every time. But sometimes it just hits me that we ought to. So let's, let's do that so you can focus on this scripture. Beginning in verse 31, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. 
And Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, for she said, Because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am hated, he has given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Again, she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I've borne him three sons. Therefore, his name was called Levi. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore, she called his name Judah. Then she ceased bearing. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for the stories uh, that you recorded for us uh, from, from an ancient past, really, uh, from thousands and thousands of years ago that are still relevant to us today, that, that your word is, is a miracle book uh, for it tells us of our God, uh, who is the living word. And Lord Jesus, we recognize you are the final word. You are the, the word God speaks that does not need to be repeated or seconded by any man. But Lord, when we give the amen, Lord, you come into our life and you change us and make us new. Lord, we pray that we'll learn the lessons of Leah today that uh, we too will be a grateful and thankful people. And Lord, give us your grace and mercy. Open our hearts, our minds to behold wonderful things out of your word. And Lord, may our prayer be, and I would encourage everyone here to pray this prayer. Lord, if you speak to me today, I will obey. We pray this in Jesus' name for your glory. We ask for your protection uh, right now in spiritual places. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Y'all can be, y'all can be seated. Well... Poor Leah, she, she's not loved. And, and here's what I want you to take home with you today, because I want to talk about gratitude. She finally comes to a place of gratitude today. And thinking anything is owed to us blocks us from gratitude. Anytime we think something's owed to us blocks us from gratitude. I heard a story one time uh, about a, a, a woman who moved into a neighborhood, and she noticed that her neighbor across the street was elderly, and she didn't seem to have company, and people weren't coming to her. So she thought, I'll make her an apple pie. So she made her an apple pie and took it to her, and the lady was just so grateful. They had a great conversation, and she was so grateful, and thank you so much. Nobody's ever done anything like this kind of ideas. Just poured it out. So the lady went home, and she thought about it and said, well, I'll make her a pie next week. So next week, about the same day, she made her another pie, took it over. And I said, another pie. Thank you so much. This is so wonderful. Thank you. And then the third week, she did it. And the lady said, like, oh, my pie. Thank you. And by the fourth week, the lady said, well, I, I, I'm just tired of making pies. She just didn't. She missed that week for some reason or another. And the lady called her up and said, where's my pie? <laughs> when, sometimes God has given us so much, we think we are owed that. Right? I, listen, I'm speaking from personal experience. This is why it's, it's so real, man. We, we, we begin, if you grew up in the church like I did, you know, salvation was just, you were supposed to do that, right? You were supposed to, at some point, confess that you knew Christ. And I'm, I'm thankful that's still a genuine, legitimate thing. But, but uh, I think about people who, who Satan has messed up their life and, and they didn't have the advantages I did and were torn up and they come to Christ. They're so excited. There was an evangelist like that that was just, he was called Gypsy Smith. And he was, this was back a long time ago, back, back in the 1800s, when he was a fiery preacher. And somebody asked him why, how he stayed so excited. He said, I've never lost the wonder. I never got over that Christ would save me. And sometimes if we get used to church and we get used to the Christian life, we begin to think, well, God owed me this. I'm a good person. 
No, no, we're not. Apart from Christ, we're not good at all. It is only Christ's righteousness that makes us good. And when we get to the attitude that we are owed something, then it kills gratitude. It, it really does. We ought to be grateful for everything. In fact, uh, I'm going to reference uh, several New Testament passages. I've got them marked. Hopefully, I can get to them kind of quickly. If you want to get to them, I'm going to tell you what they are. Uh, and, and the first one is Philippians. I marked it, but I still have to find the right ribbon here. Um, it's in Philippians and chapter uh, 4. Ch- Philippians chapter 4 and beginning in verse 4. Listen to what God tells us through the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. When are we to rejoice according to that verse? And again, what are we to do? Rejoice again, right? Keep rejoicing. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Live like Christ is coming because I guarantee you this. He's coming in your lifetime. Whether you go see him or he comes to see us. Okay, don't forget that. So be reasonable, Lord's at hand. Do not be anxious, and we, we've messed up that word in English. Oh, your, your family's coming for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm so anxious. No, you're eager. Anxious means you're worried, okay? So it says, don't be worried or anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, How much understanding? So you can't understand the peace no matter how much you can understand it. Right? I know this sounds redundant, but sometimes we need to hear that God is telling us you can't even imagine it. And so we get down to where we can get a hold of it. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard, and that word means like a fortress, your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. There's an attitude of gratitude. There, there was a guy named Zig Ziglar. Anybody ever heard of Zig Ziglar? He's with the Lord now. He taught a Sunday school class at a church in Texas, had 300 people in that Sunday school class. And, uh, but he was a motivational speaker, and he had a saying, everybody needs a, ne- a checkup from the neck up to, to get an attitude of gratitude and eliminate stinking thinking that leads to hardening of the attitudes, right? So, so we need that. We need to always be reminded us, and the Bible tells us to do that, to remind ourselves what's good, what's lovely, what's good, what's great. Let's think on those things and, and to lay our burdens at the foot of the cross in Christ's lap. And from that, we will get a fortress for our minds. We will have a peace that passes understanding. I want you to see in this text today that God knows what's happening to Leah. So many times when bad things come to us, we don't realize that God is with us. Whenever we see a tragedy, oh, where was God? Where was God when the plane flew into the tower in 2001? He was right there. God didn't cause that. The sin of men caused that. But God is ever present with us. He will use evil things to to uh, to forward his goodness and his plan. But God is good and he can only do good. And God is with us in our sorrow. Notice the very first phrase in verse 31. When Yahweh saw Leah was hated. Wow. What a strong term. 
That God is there and he's noticing what's going on with Leah. In case you don't know the story, you weren't here last week. Jacob, one of the patriarchs, he meets Rachel, Leah's little sister, and he falls in love with her. He's gone to this place to get a wife. That's where he knew God told him to go there through his mom. He goes to find a wife. He sees Rachel. He goes, "Woo, that's the one I want. He talks to her dad. He says, I'll work seven years for her. And her dad says, well, that's a good idea. But he doesn't really tell him he's going to give him Rachel. So after seven years, when they get married, behold, the next morning, the Bible says, behold, it was Leah. It wasn't Rachel. And so Jacob gets all mad. And he fusses his father-in-law. But actually what Laban did to Jacob, Jacob had done to his own brother and his own father. And so Jacob says, well... And the father said, no, you got to marry Leah. That's the, that was the older one. I'll let you marry Rachel if you work another seven years. He said, let's change the order a little bit. You let me marry Rachel, and I will work for you another seven years. So, all right, that's work. So for four, Jacob worked 14 years. But he loved Rachel, and he didn't care about Leah. The Bible says that he hated Leah. God acknowledges in the very first phrase, Leah is hated. Now, how would you like to be Leah. I don't want to be Leah. She's looking around. Her dad feels like, I mean, her attitude should have been, my dad had to trick somebody into marrying me. And then her husband lets her know, yeah, I don't love you. I love your sister. And everybody seems to be against Leah. And God even looks down and goes, yep, you're hated. I mean, that's a sad place to be. And so she wants Love. She wants acknowledgement. She wants some help. And maybe you might be a little bit like Leah or a lot like Leah. I don't know. But I know this. That the unseen is seen by God. Look with me in Hebrews 4.13. This is what we see in Hebrews 4.13. And no creature is hidden from his sight. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, that's a warning verse. That's letting us know that one day we'll stand before God and everything we've done in in secret or openly, we will give an account for to God. That's a scary thought, isn't it? Because we've all messed up. And so we know that that'll come out, that God will take care of it. And we're grateful of that. Paul said, I'm convinced that uh, he is able to keep what I've committed against him until that day that he will take care of that for, for me not to worry about but Leah is is unseen by her husband and what does she need she's looking for acceptance but she's looking in the wrong place she's looking for Jacob to accept her and Jacob should have but he but he doesn't and in fact for her whole life I don't think he ever did but people want to be noticed everybody wants to be important to someone we can be all brave and strong, and I don't care what people think, but there's usually when we say we don't care what people think, it's because we care what people think, right? We, we so, so many times tell our own story. And we put on a false bravado. But, but if you're not, if you feel like you're not loved, it makes you feel useless and worthless, and that we have no purpose in our life. Let, let me tell you something very clearly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life first john 3 beloved how great a love the father's bestowed upon us the bible says nothing can separate us from the love of christ not height nor depth nor 
Things above the earth, things below the earth, creatures, famine, sword, nothing can separate us from the love of God. God loves you. And if God loves you, it doesn't matter if other people love you. Now, we live in a body in this world, and we need other people's love. I get that. And don't you think the church ought to be a place where people could be loved? And yet, James had to warn the church. You got a rich guy come in. You bring him down front, give him the best seat, and make out over him. And then the poor guy comes, you make him sit in the back. Listen, it's, it's better to be a sinner at Jesus' feet than it is to be the hero down at the church service. I won't say in the church, but down at the church service. Not the real church, the church where everybody just shows up, you know. And you're all important there. No, no, it's, it's better to be a sinner at Jesus' feet because you are loved by God. And he wants to rescue you. He wants to redeem you. He wants to do something in his life. Rachel is not bad. It's just Leah had a need. It's not that Rachel, you know, plotted or anything. Her dad did this. Rachel went along with it, obviously, because she loved Jacob as well. But, but Leah just has a great need that's not being fulfilled. But guess what? God specializes in people with need. We live in a country that was built upon, I don't know if we're losing this or not, but we were built on individual ruggedness. We were built on individual freedom. Our heroes used to be guys portrayed in movies like John Wayne would portray guys in movies or a Clint Eastwood portray guys in movies. And we still have some of those movies around. The, the big hero, the guy that doesn't need anybody. There is no person who's ever lived that didn't need somebody. There is no person who ever lived that didn't need somebody. Thank you. Listen, if you study history long enough and hard enough, you'll find that every great man had a right-hand guy that made him great. Might have been a right-hand woman. You know, every great man has a woman that made it necessary. I was just kidding. (laughs) Every successful man usually has a great wife that supports and helps him. She had a need. And... Notice what it says. She names that firstborn Reuben, which means to see or see a son, actually. It says she conceived, bore a son. His name is Reuben, which means see, a son, okay? Ben is the Hebrew word for son. Ru is the name for sight. See the boy, the son. For she said, the Lord has looked at my affliction. Now my husband will love me. She gives God a little bit of credit, But she's still looking for Jacob to go, wow, you gave me a son. Thank you. Oh, I love you. He's like, okay, cool. I got a kid. I mean, he does not react. And by the way, just in case you're a person who feels put upon, she's expecting something she's not going to get. In reality, she needs to change her expectations. Okay, that sounds harsh. I don't mean it to be. I cannot expect everybody to love me all the time. I can't expect Janice to feel loving toward me all the time. That's my wife, in case you don't know Janice. Because I do some dumb things that make her go, you know what, right now I don't even like you. <laughs> Somebody asked her, you ever thought about divorcing Stuart? She said, nope, murder, yes, divorce. No, <laughs> no she didn't say that. Ruth Graham actually said that. But She's still looking for Jacob's approval. Something she may or may not ever get. It's fine if she gets it, and that's wonderful. But if we please, listen, this is why people get messed up in their relationships. Because they're looking for fulfillment. I I talk to so many people who want to get married. Why do you want to marry them? Oh, 
They, we have so much in common, they just complete me. Really, that's a horrible reason. Because they are a flawed human being just as you are and they will fail you. Then what are you going to do? You're going to quit loving them because they failed you? No, we're called to love like God loves regardless, right? And so Leah needed that, but just notice what happened there. And then secondly, when you think you're unheard, but you are heard by God. In Jeremiah 33, 3, and I think I did not put a, a ribbon there. Um, in Jeremiah 33, 3, this is a famous verse. People have called it God's phone number. It says this. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. When we pray to God, God hears our prayer. He, he guarantees to hear the prayer of a believer. If you don't know Christ, you don't have a guarantee in Scripture. The Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. It says over in, um, in, in Peter or John, I think it's in one, second or third John, that, that the, righteous, the righteous are heard by God. But not necessarily the unrighteous are heard by God unless you're coming to him in repentance. And then he always hears that prayer. The name Simeon, this child's name, means the one who hears or one who hears. Because listen, as the scripture uh, puts it to us, she conceived again and bore a son and said, Because the Lord has heard this, that I am hated, he's given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. Now, again, she acknowledges the Lord acknowledged that I am hated but she's still looking at the fact that she is hated by Jacob. You follow my logic here? She's saying, well, God heard me, but Jacob still doesn't love me. She's going after a man who may never see. Guys, you know what you call our most besetting sin in marriage? We're just numb. We're just insensitive to, to emotional needs sometimes. And, and I know that's true for me, and, and I'm just assuming you might be a lot like me. You ought to pray to God, deliver me from numbness. That, that I can know, that I can, can help those around me. Leah acknowledges God has hurt her, but she still wants Jacob. But, but I want you to understand something. God is not in the business of fulfilling our own desires, but in giving us his desires. You follow that logic? The, the Bible says... That God will give us the desires of our heart. That does not mean he'll give us what we want. It means he will put his desires in our heart. He will give us the desires that are in our heart because he put those desires in there. He wants his will to be accomplished through our life. But if we have that desire in our heart, that becomes our desire. That replaces the old selfish, sinful desire. And God puts a pure desire in us. Do you care much, do you care much more that, that your wife or your husband loves you than you do that the entire world will hear the message of Jesus Christ. Janice and I, we do devotional things together and, and we did one by Francis Chan on marriage and, Fan and his wife. And the opening statement was, people make too much out of marriage. Because we are always saying how we can make our marriage to each other better. He said, you are married for the glory of God. And if both of you will look at fulfilling... Making the God giving God glory, the marriage will be better. We focus on trying to fix this where the fix is to not look at it, but to look at Christ. And, and to fulfill giving God glory. And God is not in the business of making me happy. He's in the business of making me holy. And if I'm holy, I will be happy. 
right? I, I'm not the first one to say that. And so I want you to understand that. So she knows that God has heard her and she gives him the name Simeon. And then she gets the third child. And she says, again, she conceived and bore a son. And she said, now this time my husband will be attached to me. In other words, he's going to let go of Rachel. Now, let me point out something that should be obvious. And, and I will say this as, as best I can. Uh, because just in case a child hears this. These children are not just appearing willy-nilly. Now, this is before the Mosaic Law. But by the time of Moses, maybe because of some of the, this... God gave them a law that if a man did marry more than one wife, he could not deny the first wife all the things that were owed her, which was um, financially be supported for shelter and food and for a physical expression of love. Those are the three things that God required in a marriage. Those are still in our marriage vows. We use different words, but it's the same three things. So he is fulfilling his duty, but that's all it is. That's all it is. But God keeps giving her babies. And she goes, okay, three boys. Now, you, okay, I, Rachel hasn't had any children. I am, I am the, I'm the woman right here, man. I'm giving him boys. And, you know, boys were important in that culture. They still are important in that culture. Uh, uh, my, my own kids have told us that, that when they were living in the Middle East, that they would always gravitate toward their son and ignore their daughter. That has been going on since Jacob and Rachel and Leah. And she's got, I got three boys, man. This should excite him. This will be great. And now he's going to leave Rachel alone and he's going to love me. He's going to be attached to me. And so she named him Levi, which means to be attached. She wants Jacob to be attached to her and not to walk away from her. She's, she's moving in kind of a right direction. Because she's longing for connection with her husband. But she knows God's going to have to do it. She wants to be connected. Remember what the Bible said at the fall about women? That in childbearing, you know, you have pain in childbearing. And your desire will be for your husband, but you'll want to rule over him. You'll want, you'll want your husband's love and acceptance and all that. But you'll want to be the boss over him. Then he told men, you're going to be the manager of the home. But you're not going to be as good at it as your wife. And so we, he set it up that we both had to depend on God to do the, the task he gave us. Okay? Y'all with me? Y'all are getting real quiet. I don't know if I'm boring you or you're not following me. But I, I, I need your help. Make sure you're still with me. She's moving there. And so she calls him attached. Hebrews 13.5 is the text. Um, I, I would love to share with you about this. Like I said, I'm going to have to turn a little bit. I don't know if you uh, are familiar with this text or not. I'm sure you are. Sorry, this Bible, uh, I use it on Sunday, so sometimes the pages don't help me out. Hebrews 13, 5 says this. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That last phrase in that verse, I will never leave you or forsake you. God is attached to you if you're a follower of Christ. That ne David said, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. You cannot flee God's presence. He will not let you go. He is with you everywhere you go. People say, well, I, I've left God. <laughs> That's not possible. 
Maybe in your mind you have, but God hadn't left you. If you are a true believer in him, he never leaves you or forsakes you. In fact, this verse is the strongest verse in the Bible. I'll tell you why. In the English language, you may have heard me say this, but I'm going to repeat it so you get it. If you combine two negatives, it makes a positive. I ain't going to no store means I'm going to the store. Okay? Because I combine two negatives. All right? Not so in Greek. The more modifiers you put on a word, the stronger it gets. And there are five modifiers on I will not leave you or forsake you. I never, 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 never will leave you or forsake you. Now, God only has to say, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And that's ultimate truth, right? But when he says it with five modifiers, he's saying, I ain't never leaving you no matter what you do. There's no way I'm going to leave you. And she, there she is. She's looking for an attachment to the one she loves. God loves you, and he's attached himself to you. In fact, in a lot of cases, God is Leah, and we're Jacob. He's loving us, but we're not loving him back. He's attached himself to us, but we are unattached from him. We ignore him. We ignore his will. And so we feel sorry for Leah, but the fact is sometimes we are Leah. And we act in a way, or we are Jacob. We act in a way that towards God that we should not. But Leah finally comes to the point that's going to bless her the rest of her life. There will still be some conflict, but she finally gets it. Look here at the last son in this passage. Verse 35. And she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I'll just praise the Lord. No mention of Jacob. I'm just going to praise the Lord. I got four sons. Praise the Lord. Just praise the Lord. And she names him Judah. I, I, first time I ever kind of ran back that word Judah. What does it mean? And it, and it, it translates into the word worship. But it comes from a root that comes from a root. And the root root word is Hand. Now, how do we get worship from hand? Because the root word is a hand lifting. It's a hand of motion that brings us to the third meaning, so therefore, in worship. And Paul said to Timothy, I would that holy men everywhere prayed lifting holy hands. His name means to be lifted up in worship. Worship is the key to us getting into God's, God's mindset and will. If you're in a mess, I mean a mess, do you thank God for the net mess and worship him? There, there's an old, old illustration. Well, it comes from World War II, so it's old. For some of us, that's ancient history. For some of us, maybe even remember it. My dad fought in that war. But there, there's a, a woman named Corey Tinboom, and she and her sister Betsy were captured because they, they protected Jewish people against the law. They rebelled against man's authority and tried to protect Jewish people. And they went to concentration camps. And so somewhere a German guard slipped Corey a Bible. And when they would go to this new camp, 
they didn't see the Bible. They got it in. But they were put into this barracks full of women, some of whom were gassed to death. Corey survived. Betsy died while in the prison just because of age and labor and bad conditions. But one day, Betsy says to Corey, let's, let's be thankful. Let's praise God. And she said, for what? Here we are in a Nazi concentration camp. People are being burned to death around us. We're in this horrible place. Did I forget to tell you, this barrack is full of fleas. All of us have fleas. What is there to be thankful for? She said, you and I are still together. They didn't get that you had the Bible, so we can still read the Bible and have a wonderful time here. And let's thank God for all these fleas. She said, Corey, I can be thankful we're together. I can be, I mean, Betsy, I can be thankful we're together. I can be thankful for the Bible. I don't think I can be thankful for fleas. She said, it's not whether you can or can't. God told us to be, so let's do it. You know why God put them in a barrack full of fleas? Because the Nazi soldiers and officers that abused the women wouldn't go in their barracks because of the fleas. How, do you, how are you thankful in a concentration camp? I don't know, but Betsy Tinboom was able to do it. She led her sister to do it. Worship is the key to putting us in God's mindset. We are always looking at the negative. There, you know, some of us are minded to see the positive things. Some of us are minded to see the negative things. Some of us don't think at all. I get it. But, but if you play defense on a sports team, what you have to look for is the weakness in the other team. If you're playing a game, a board game or something, you have to look for the weakness in the other player. That's, that's how you win. That's how you're defeated. Guess what? Our enemy has weakness that we can exploit. He, when he thinks he's winning, he's losing. That's what's cool about the devil. He's so stupid. He's not that stupid, but he's so dumb, he doesn't even get it. He thought when he killed Christ, he'd won. <laughs> you see, the material world is not our connection. We are not happy uh, if we're connected and seen by men and connected in this world so that we have a lot of wealth. We've got to be connected to God and worship Him. And when that happens, God shows us, gives us that mindset of, look what I'm doing here. Look what I'm giving you. Look what you have at your disposal. Look what can happen. Now, I want to point something out here. Leah was God's choice for Jacob, not Rachel. I say that letting you understand what I mean. Because he had Rachel and God used that, but... But who did the Levites become? The priests. Who did Judah give us? Christ. Who is prophet, priest, not after the order of Levi, but after the order of Melchizedek, and king. So, would you rather be the unloved sister that was the chosen one by God to be the super great grandmother of the Messiah? Or do you want to be loved by a man for a brief time in your life and then die? I don't know what God's put in your life that is eternal that you can't see, but there's something there. And if you will be grateful, you may discover it, you may not. Notice the name Judah, by the way, while I'm just talking about Jesus for a second. A hand lifted up. 
is the word in Hebrew, or a word that can mean praise or worship. And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. In Psalm chapter 30, I said I had a verse for each one. Psalm chapter 30 and verse 11. The Bible says this. You've turned for me my mourning into dancing. That's M-O-U-R-N, not M-O-R-N. You've turned my, mar- my mourning, my sorrow into dancing. You've loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. David wrote that psalm. God, and by the way, David, that was his great-grandma too, right? God gave her to be the mother of the line that would give us Jesus. So a couple things, just a couple things I want you to take with you this week. First of all, do the right thing. Trusting God to use it for his glory. Do the right thing this week. Trusting God to use it for his glory. In Galatians chapter 6, 6 through 10. Here's what the Bible commands. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with those who teach us. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will, will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we don't give up. So then as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We may never know the significance of what we do in the will of God. But what we do for God will never be insignificant. Jesus said, those who give a cup of cold water in my name have their reward. You're going to get a reward. God will honor what you do. And Leah kept having them baby boys. And she's really... Now a hero for us because she gave us the Messiah eventually. Secondly, God uses the least to illuminate his best. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 1, here's what God says. It's, it's, God sounds insulting here, but we get to the end. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you are wise according to worldly standards. In other words, according to everybody else, you're not so smart. Not many were powerful. They looked at you as weak guys. Not many were of noble birth. Yeah, you're from the wrong side of the tracks. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised or hated in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Listen, friend, from Leah's offspring came the ancient of days in human form. Woo! Look up ancient of days, read about that. Out of the despised, the second rate, 
She named her first boy, See My Son, and she was told, said to have had weak eyes. <laughs> Out of the one who is handicapped, the one who the world says is ugly, comes the Savior of the world. Ali is in a bad spot. I, listen, don't want to downplay. She, she's having a rough time of it. She really is. But look at what God is doing. If she could see into the future, man, she would have just... And so you can't see in the future either. So just rejoice in what God's doing right now because he's doing something that's going to bring about a greater glory for him. And in a few days, we will all be reminded that we ought to be thankful. In our society today, they're trying to get rid of a lot of things that are good. And one of them is Thanksgiving. Oh, should we be thankful? Ah, blah, 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 blah. That's all I hear. It sounds like adults in a Peanuts movie. Thanksgiving. The first Thanksgiving were two groups of people that were unalike who survived together because the group that would be oppressed upon was rescuing those who maybe some of their descendants would might oppress them some. And it's a picture of what we ought to be doing, coming together to thank us now our God that we're here we're alive we can still honor him and what God has put in our life is for our good and his glory no matter what it looks like to everybody else